big boobs, little boobs, curvy, petite, introvert, extrovert, loud, quiet. You, my friend, perfect, exactly the way you are right now. I'm Steph, your host, the big boobed introvert CEO of Confetti Curves, and I'm going to remind you that confidence comes from loving all that you are right now. Shall we get started? Hi, Shayla, and welcome to Confident in Your Curves. I'm so happy to have you here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. It is amazing. Now, tell me, what is the thing you love most about yourself right now? Um, right now, personality-wise, I'm loving my growth. Body-wise, I'm loving my boobs right now. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you? They're incredible. <laughs> to have breast surgery quite soon and um I'm in a little Airbnb down the south of WA in Ballinger and it I wouldn't be me if I hadn't already spent like the morning taking nude selfies of myself <laughs> I love that do <laughs> uh, you like I want to come to Perth so bad so that you can photograph me so much like I'm I'm coming this year I don't know when but I'm coming and you're gonna take incredible photos of me because I just want to celebrate I just want to do an east coast tour I've got quite a few people who know about me in Melbourne I have some friends in Canberra um maybe Sydney I grew up um on the Gold Coast so I know a lot of people there like so I'm like maybe I just just tour just tour the east coast (laughs) yes you can make a whole event about it like just (laughs) bring your sexy selves and like document how fabulous you are right now that would be so much fun (laughs) so you mentioned that your boobs are incredible and that you're loving them right now have you always had a good relationship with your boobs yeah I have um I I never really uh appreciated them before I had my kids so before I had kids I, I was like oh I love the like teardrop kind of shape of my boobs and and then I got pregnant and breastfed and I was like, fuck, why didn't I take any photos of them? Like, because I didn't, I, yeah, I'd never really taken any nudes of myself until after I had my first baby. And so he's seven and a half now. Um, and it was actually another photographer in a mother's group who said to me, um, have you ever taken nudes of yourself? And I was like, why? Like, I know I'm hot. Why would I do that? She was like, It'll change your life. Go take some nudes right now. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. And then I did it eventually. But I um, I wish I had post a pre-baby boob photos. But, um, yeah, like breastfeeding and um, some other things, I get a lot of breast pain. So my left boob has been hurting since I had my first baby for seven and a half years. And people often don't want to believe you when you, you're younger and you get breast pain. They're just kind of like, boobs are weird. Boobs, I literally handed at the breast clinic this pamphlet that said, like, like breast pain. And in it was like, sometimes breasts hurt and we don't know why. And I was like, <laughs> can we find out why? Because it hurts all the time. So, you know, part of your body is in pain. It can be really difficult to love it. Mm-hmm. But um, a few weeks ago, I was finally listened to and the breast clinic agreed that I need to have surgery on the breast 
So all of the ducts in it are being removed. So they said that my my uh, nipple and breast might have like a little bit of a like a like a little caved in, like a crumpled effect. And I was like, that doesn't bother me too much um, because I'd rather be pain free. But also I feel like I need to like show that part of my body some love. Like, thank you for what you've done for me. I'm sorry that I need to have bits of you cut out, but. <laughs> you were great while you lasted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've been eliminated. Thank you for your time. <laughs> You have served a purpose and you have abused me, so you're gone. Yes, exactly. I would rather not be in pain. Yeah, so I've had like pain in one, just one breast for over seven years. And sometimes it was so bad I couldn't wear like a seatbelt because just it touching was too painful and and it took a long time to be believed. Um, and so I was really grateful when they finally were like, okay, now it's been documented for long enough that we'll do something about it. <laughs> It just it blows my mind how like gendered the like medical system is because you imagine a guy went in like my like ball hurts like you know my testicle hurts all the time like and they, they wouldn't be like oh well balls are weird yeah. anyway like yeah, exactly and then there's just kind of this attitude that like if you have bigger breasts or if you're a plus size woman they're like well of course that hurts and I'm like but it hurts on one side like I literally was told like why don't you try losing weight and I was like explain to me in detail how losing weight would help pain in one breast like and they could they could never do it and so yeah finally um listened to about it so hopefully having this surgery will help but yeah it's kind of like I realized that I needed to stop um like resenting the pain and just be like it's it's got like I'm getting closure soon so show us some love (laughs) you'll be a whole new boob yeah exactly um and yeah she might look a little bit different but that's that's how bodies are we we have surgeries we get scars we stretch and yeah it'll just be another step on like the the boob journey that I'm on I always love to say to people, because uh, I haven't worn underwire bras for years because they cause me too much pain. Um, I say to people, I like to let my boobs free to roam the wilderness. <laughs> and I just think, like, this pair of titties just walking along through the trees. Like, I love that. <laughs> free to roam the wilderness. <laughs> One day I'll somebody to draw it and it'll be on merch and it'll be great. It'll be incredible. <laughs> it's always like I like when you wake up in like a tank top and like you've lost a boob, like one's out the side, one's in your armpit. Yeah. Yes. Oh, and I hate the under boob sweat oh. is like But recently I got like I don't know if you can see, I got tattooed in the middle here and it's all under my boobs. And that it's like suddenly I like I love showing people like my stomach I'm yeah. like look at this <laughs> I'm incredible. since I did it they've gone and they're like oh it makes you feel so sexy like I I used to be like oh I don't want to wear stuff that's really low cut because I've got kids and they will pull your boobs out of anything so I often wore stuff that was higher to save my titties from being freed like a Janice <laughs> at the moment but now I'm like oh 
to show off this like between the titties. Oh, it feels so good. Ah, I'm envious. I wish I had that kind of like, I don't yet have that acceptance of my like boobs. Like I have had big boobs forever and I am getting to the stage now where I appreciate them, but I still feel super yeah. self-conscious trying to like show them off. Like I, I was actually having a discussion last night with a guy and was like, oh yeah, like I'm always covered up. And he's like, why? And I was like... I don't yeah. know. Like, it's just kind of one of those things where I'm like, yeah. I'm kind of ashamed of them, I guess. But, like, yeah. I, I feel that, like I they'll be judged. Yeah, it happens a lot in people, I think, who develop their breasts quite young because they're shamed, from, they're shamed and sexualized from a young age and then as they get older they're like, yeah, I felt like that after kids because my kids would be shoving their hands in there and, like, I can't wear a swimsuit like this because they will just, whoo, tits out. Um, but that I worked in retail and so everything that we sold was lower cut so I didn't really mind but yeah having kids and breastfeeding and stuff made me want to cover up a lot more and I I feel like I've come back full circle now but I'm really lucky because two of my best friends we all wear the same bra size but um we so we do like bra swaps um because we're all like g cups and one day we had the funnest day at my friend's apartment we were all topless just walking around her apartment seeing what we could hold up with our boobs (laughs) (laughs) you know when people will do like a water bottle and they'll hold it up um with just their titty or like a broom and stuff i think i got like a small toolbox under there and was like walking around with it (laughs) it was just the funnest day ever where it's like you know, your boobs aren't being, like, sexualized, but they're being treated as, like, something fun. Like, that was <laughs> That's really, really fun. And it's one of my favorite, like, things that I've ever done with my friends where it's, like, you're you're just embracing, like, your bodies together. It was because we always do, like, a clothes and boob swap. And we have very differently shaped bodies, but it's, like, the breast part itself is exactly the same size. So we all wear the same cup. But they haven't breastfed, so they have that more fullness at the top of their breasts, whereas, like, mine's a little bit looser now. <laughs> but I love that. I feel like my my body looks, like, lived in, it's settled in, and I I love that about it. And, um, yeah, I just want to appreciate it a bit more. Definitely. Because I'm a very pear-shaped person, so it's like when I say to people I'm a G-cup, they're like, oh, you must have huge boobs. But I'm like, in comparison to the rest of my body, my boobs are small because I'm much bigger in the hip and bum area so I wear like an 18g but I wouldn't say that my boobs like are the biggest most noticeable part of my body my belly and my bum are the larger part of me so yeah to me it's like they were always kind of secondary I was always at but look at this ass though like (laughs) have you seen this it's pretty great I'm always like, look at me from the from this way only. Like, I wish I could walk into a room ass first. Like, I <laughs> just back it in. <laughs> yes, exactly. Just like, oh, it's sliding across the floor, like doing a crab <laughs> <laughs> You know how like everyone's all like, my eyes are up here. It's like, well, my back, my bum's back here. Yeah. My ass. Yeah. Try and tell me anything. <laughs> <laughs> It's really funny, like, my kids know, like, mummy's a photographer. And I used to joke with them, mummy takes photos of butts. And uh, so my kids now, when I take photos of them, they want to show me their bums because they're like, that's mummy's job. 
And I always sing to my kids. My son in particular, he's like, he's getting, he's not overweight. He's getting like chunky, like that thickness. Mm-hmm. And he's definitely got my bum. <laughs> His dad doesn't have one, so it has to be from me. <laughs> I sing him this song from Madagascar um, with the hippos where it's like, I like him big. I like him. Yeah. And like now, my son like walks around the house singing that to himself. <laughs> that is adorable. <laughs> and my daughter, I've always like with the because I um they had eczema, so I was always putting moisturizer all over their bodies. So I say nice things to them. And the thing I love about kids, and I think that we lose it as adults sometimes, is that joy of nudity. Like kids are always so excited to be naked. They're like, I'm free. Whoa, whoa, look at this. <laughs> Um, so I would say to my kids when I'm putting their moisturizer on for the eczema, I'm like, you have such a lushy body, like so luscious and like squeezes and stuff. And so now it's like, they'll, they'll go strip off their clothes and they'll run in and be like, mom, lushy body. (laughs) But you're also doing amazing things for their self-esteem going forward. Like, could you imagine being raised in an environment where like your parents were like that complimentary of your body? Like, yeah, and also like that um, their bodies are something joyful. Yes. So um, instead of like, oh, go put clothes on or don't do that, I'm like, oh, it's so juicy. Like, give it to me. And like, and it's so cute to see them growing up like that. Like, I absolutely love it. Because I want them to see their bodies, especially if they share it with another person, as something like joyful and exciting and like, yeah, not something to be like, oh, Oh, don't look at me they're like you want to look at me? <laughs> yeah, exactly and it's so funny they they walk up to me and are like mum I love your big boobies and I'm like thanks guys and then they'll be like and you have the biggest bum ever and I'm like well maybe oh, thank you but maybe not and then they're like you're too big for all the seats in the world and I'm oh. like thank you. <laughs> and then my son sometimes, because um, my son's autistic and he can be really, really blunt. But I also love that about him. And he'll be like, Mommy, why are you the fattest of all the mums at the school? And, um, I'm like, I don't think that I am. But maybe, um, like, you think of it like, you know how some of your friends are short and some of your friends are tall. And, like, it just means that I give you the best cuddles, don't I? And he's like, yeah. And then he, like, walks off thinking, like, my mum's cuddly and you know instead of being like oh my mum's fat which is like when I first had kids I felt very like oh my god they're going to be so embarrassed of me and like I couldn't fit on a lot of like play equipment with them like I couldn't couldn't go down slides with them I've never been able to do that sort of stuff with them and I was like oh they're gonna grow up going my mum was so fat she couldn't play with me but then I was like if I was like a big man like a big rugby player or something like that nobody would ever think less of a dad not being able to fit but they think that about mothers and there were really like times in my life when I worked um when I worked for a, a really well-known plus size brand where I was the only person in a team of like eight to 10 women who hadn't had weight loss surgery. Oh my God. And so I, I felt intense pressure to have weight loss surgery because I was like, I don't want my kids to grow up thinking my mom's so fat. She can't play with me and things like that. And, um, but then I would see how 
it didn't really help a lot of them. Like they, most of them, they gained the weight back. They hated how they were constantly vomiting and stuff. And it was like, it was like being in like a little pressure cooker where I felt so much pressure to have this surgery because everybody around me had had it. But then I could also see how unhappy they were, but everybody was giving them validation for losing the weight, but they weren't happy. Mm-hmm. And it really confirmed for me that it wasn't like the right path for me. Um, and so many of my friends have done it. And it's like, it's not that they regret it because it's like, it's a choice that they made that they can't change, but the long-term health effects of that extreme weight cycling are now really difficult to live with. Mm. And, um, you know, if, if they lived in a world where people didn't shame, shame your weight as much, then they probably wouldn't have had their stomach cut out, you know? I, so like I, back in 2018, I like was dedicated. I'm like, I'm going to lose 20 kilos. And I developed like an addiction to exercise and I basically had like an eating disorder. Like I wouldn't eat more than 800 calories and I would always try and exercise more than that. And the validation and the praise that I got from people was like I was a, like I was an amazing person and I was finally worthy of other people's like you know, gratitude and things like that. And it fucked me completely. Like I put on all of the weight, not long, like maybe 18 months later, but it, because you're like, what the fuck? (laughs) This isn't normal. This isn't what we should be doing. And I hated my body so much worse because I was like, now I am the same size that I was before, but people are now judging me because I've put all that weight back on. I'm not getting compliments anymore because I'm now back to like not a stick thin, like addicted to a running person. And it took yeah. so much longer to undo what, what mm. it's just. <laughs> for that author, author rec- There's a specific word for like an obsession with clean eating and exercise. Um, and it's like, um, ortho something I don't know how to pronounce it but yeah I had a friend um who went through that as well and she had always been thin but there was like uh, she couldn't not read what was in everything and she's like see these preservatives and it was like once she got past like cutting the sugars and carbs she had to find something else to cut out and it just became so extreme um and I had to be like I are you okay? Like, no, she's not. <laughs> and it was like, I often believe that people do those sort of things that like they kind of turn on their body because they feel out of control of some area of their life. So whether it's their relationships, their relationship with their family, something like that. And, and she was going through a separation. So it was like, you know what I can control? I can control my body. I can control what I do with it and what I eat. And and then that becomes the obsession. And you're right, people people admire that like extreme willpower that yeah. comes with eating disorders. And they compliment it and they're like, I wish I could do that. You're incredible. You're amazing. They don't realize that you're like actively harming yourself and they're praising that. And then it creates a a cycle of it and it's just it's so hard to break out of and it's so amazing that you are working on getting through that because that something like that never leaves you it's still there and you just choose every day to purposefully change your thoughts on it and, and like the, it, it's hard for 
100%. And like the photos from that time period, like I went to Hawaii with my sister and we'd both lost weight. And like it'll often pop up in like my phone's memory of like us standing on a boat in bikinis. And I like, it's really hard because I look at myself I'm like, oh my God, like I looked so good then. And it's like, okay, but also remember you weren't eating basically anything mm-hmm. and you know, there was a day where I was really like I hadn't had enough sugar or anything and I my mum was like have a zupa dupa and I was like I can't like I can't have the sugar and it's like it's mm. not a place to be oh my <laughs> yeah exactly and I grew up with a mum um who was very restricted in her eating and like exercised a lot like my mum is much smaller than me and I remember as a kid being able to like wrap my hands around her wrist and feel like I could break them. And then I was like her giant fat daughter. And um, and it wasn't like my mum purposefully made me feel that way. But I was like, I was taller than her from like 10 years old. And like, I was just physically a lot bigger than my mum. And like your mum is your like, your kind of role model about how a woman feels about her body. And I could see like, we would all have a full plate at dinner and she would have a steamed potato with only light sour cream on it. And that's all she would eat for dinner. And then she'd smoke because that was, it was the nineties. And, um, you know, so there was a, it was, it's really sad to think back on that. And, but then I also think like my mum was in a, um, domestic violence relationship and her body was something she had control over you know and she was also pressured to remain thin by my piece of shit dad so it's like when you grow up with that like I just want for me like as a mum, I just want my kids to feel like so loved and like their bodies are wonderful and amazing and like and fun like bodies are for fun and and so it's like being able to work through it like knowing my goal with my kids it's it makes it it's like I'm working through it with myself and with them at the same time. Um, so in a way I'm like parenting my inner child and them together. And it's a, it feels really beautiful. And whenever I do like work on my inner child, I see myself as like um, with my two kids. So like, as if we're all little friends together and um, how much I would want her to feel loved and appreciated and, and accepted for who she is and so that sort of stuff it like it just makes parenting them that little bit easier and like yeah my kids are like they ask brutally honest questions like why are you fat mom because they have a a skinny dad so um my ex who I was with for since I was 15 years old um he's he has the exact same body he had in high school you know when I met him his body hasn't really changed. He's just grown a beard. Like literally that's it. But like my body grew to humans. It's also like where all your like trauma is stored in your body. And we can't ignore that. And people want to pretend like that doesn't happen. And, um, and then of course we're all going to look different. That's why we have different heights and different hair colors. And like some people's bodies want to store more and, um, practicing intuitive eating when you've never really seen anybody do it is really really Mm. difficult and like listening to my body about what it wants right now and I try and do that with my kids as much as I can like if you don't want to eat dinner if you'd rather go have a banana or an apple before bed that's fine like 
that's okay. You don't have to eat everything on your plate and stuff like that's that. That's a huge so. thing. The Like you must eat everything on your plate kind of mentality. It's yeah. so hard. And I am really trying to work on it now. I like, I've paid for it whether I eat it or not. And like, there is no yeah. impact. Like, you know, it's not the starving kid in Africa is missing out because I'm not finishing my meal. It's just. Yes. <sighs> it's. Like they're gonna fly that food right. to that kid. So what? What difference if I eat it right now? And and I get why because like you know there was like a lot of campaigning in the eighties and stuff and the early nineties for like feed the world and so I understand why our parents were like, well some people are starving so you need to eat every single pea that's on your plate. But then yeah, when you become an adult and you can't even tell whether you're full, you have to eat everything on your plate because that's what you grew up with like I think that people dismiss how instilled those things are in you as a habit from a young age and how hard they are to break like for me leaving food on my plate is so so hard but I'm over the years getting so much better at it and not feeling guilty just I couldn't fit that in or I didn't want to eat that or I actually didn't like that so I didn't want it and that's perfectly okay maybe I love like I'm a very sweet tooth like I am obsessed with dessert and so as a kid it was like you can't have dessert unless you finish dinner and so then you'd have to finish your plate and then like you could have dessert and now I'm like fuck it I'm an adult I live alone if I want to have ice cream for dinner that's what I'm yes! having there's literally no rules like I take my multivitamin every day so I'm getting my like I'm getting my vitamins so fuck it I want to be happy exactly and it's like um, you know, the whole three meals a day thing. Like I usually eat more like four or five smaller meals rather than like one big one because I find if I eat one big meal then I overeat and then I get an upset stomach and stuff. So it's, you know, it's easier for me to eat breakfast and then like a 11 o'clock, 2 o'clock and then dinner, you know. And that's just what works for my body. But listening to it has been very difficult because it's like well I shouldn't be hungry now I should just have a little snack and you know what am I gonna snack on it has to be something healthy and it's like um actually I can just fucking eat whatever I want (laughs) I'm a sweet person as well like but I find as I get older I'm not able to tolerate um things as sweet as I used to be able to I remember being like 10 years ago being like, you could never make a cake that was too sweet for me. I fucking love it. And now I'm like, it's a bit it's much. a little rich. And I'm, I never thought I It's interesting how your your tastes actually change as you get older. I th- it's something I never expected. But then there are people in my life who'd say like, oh, Shayla just inhales chocolate. And I remember when I was younger, I could eat like a whole family block of chocolate from Coles every night easy I just sit at the computer eating it and not even think about it and now it's like I can only eat like maybe two rows before I'm like my teeth hurt (laughs) I'm the same like I could devout like dairy milk just plain dairy milk I could eat an entire block of that but now I'm like yeah I'm done like it's two rows you know have some more later start doing intuitive eating they're like oh but I just want to eat chips and chocolate and and, you know all these bad foods and like I don't agree that any foods are bad but I'm like eventually your body will be like actually I don't want chips like I really like broccoli today and like that you learn how to listen to yourself but sometimes you just have to 
open the gate and let your mind explore all of those things that you have been telling it it couldn't eat for so long and like and and not judge yourself for it and just be like this is what I want and it's okay to want those things and it doesn't say anything about me other than I'm listening to my body and my mind and this is what I want right now and like you know, people are always like, I'm at my biggest, you know, that's the, they're always like, oh, you know, kind of, I'm at my biggest weight. So I've hit rock bottom and I'm like, I'm at my biggest weight now, but I'm also like the happiest, the most successful, like, you know, so it's, why do we equate personal success to the size of our bodies? And, um, the gym that I go to, um, they, they wrote a post that I didn't agree with. It said something, it was about like women when they're wanting to do weight training, they'll often say things like, I don't want to get big. I don't want to get like, as in, Mm. I don't want to get muscular. I don't want to manly. And instead of addressing that, that internalized misogyny, they said, well, you know, eating too many cupcakes would make, makes a woman big. And I was like, (laughs) I'm gonna, because I was like, that is reinforcing diet culture. Like you're actually doing people a massive disservice by speaking to them in that way, by saying, you know, if you overeat sugar and processed foods that you'll be overweight because we all know it's a lie. We all know somebody who's incredibly skinny who can eat whatever they want and they will never gain weight. My husband was one of them. I would literally it with my own eyes, him eating three times as much as me and never gaining weight. And then it was like I had gestational diabetes and we would um I'd have to do the blood sugar test on my fingers and it's so interesting with gestational diabetes people will be like anybody can get it anybody can you never know and then they'd look at me and be like of course you got it because you're fat (laughs) and I I was like "I, I thought anybody could get it but they're like as if I ate myself into gestational diabetes, which you cannot do. It's literally not possible. Anyway, so I, we would eat the exact same meal, my ex and I, and then we would test our blood sugars and mine would be twice what his was. And then I'm supposed to somehow know that, like, you know, like that. And he obviously just metabolizes things in a completely different way to me but I'm shamed for the way that like the processes that my body has that I can't do anything about and it's so interesting also like reading the the studies about you know all of us are the egg that we grew from was made by our grandmothers and so the the genealogical testing shows like if they were in times of incredible stress things like that, then that changes our DNA. So often we're being blamed for things that we can't even control because it was set in our DNA from, from 50 years previously. Epigenetics studies are so fascinating. How like, you know, if your mum or your grandma ate a certain thing while they were pregnant, then that like embeds into your like genes and like that's then influenced you, which is how siblings can be so different as well. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of pressure to have like personal responsibility for the size of your body because people, like I said earlier, they just want to exercise complete control over their physical self. 
because they want to feel in control of something in their life. That's just something that I have noticed because I mean, I had people come to me for a photo shoot and say it's a lady in her fifties and she's never felt good about her body. They will probably tell me something that was said to them at four or five years old that they are still defining themselves as mm-hmm. 50 years later. And not like, I don't feel like anger or anything. I'm just like, that is really sad. Like it's, it's very sad that you let the words of others define you and um, you, you haven't decided for yourself, this is the kind of person that I am and this is the person that I will be. And that's why I think having a photo shoot and expressing those things, because the thing is when you photograph people nude, often like I do, they're very vulnerable with what they'll tell you about. So people will tell you the worst trauma they ever experienced straight off the bat. And, and I don't, like, I love that, that people feel open with me um, and it's something that we can talk about and and we're almost like rewriting it because sometimes people come to me for a nude photo shoot and it's not that they want to look sexy, it's they want to reclaim their body and um, I think if you've ever been through any kind of like sexual assault or, or um, had a family member that was like emotionally abusive about your body, you'll know what I mean when it's like my body belongs to me and I get to define it and I get to feel strong in my body, I get to feel capable um, and I don't have to feel less than because somebody else wanted to put their problems onto me and um, I love being able to like work through that with women and non-binary individuals where they've had others define them or overly sexualize them so sometimes people like because they're so used to sexualizing women's bodies they cannot imagine nude photos that aren't sexual um, because they've just never seen it and that's because a lot of the stuff out in the world is objectifying to women's bodies and any kind of feminine featured bodies there's inherently going to be misogyny placed on them but fighting against that and being like I'm the only one who defines me I create the reality around my own body. Nobody else gets to define it. I find that so fucking powerful. And I, I wish that something, some, some people, they're like, why does everybody feel the need to take these photos in their undies and stuff like that? And it's like, that's a part of you that's unhealed that you need to think about. Um, also, why do you want to limit how others can express themselves? So I get it sometimes. Um, People are like, why do you put photos of yourself like nude or um, in your underwear on your Instagram? That's your business page. It's unprofessional. And I'm like, because I never saw bodies like mine. And somebody out there might have never seen anybody else with a body, anything like their own. And maybe I'm that person for them. And that's everything to me. That's like, that. that is exactly, you know, why would I expect other people to put their bodies out there, but I not be able to do that with my own? So... For me, I'm like, I never ask anybody to do anything in a photo shoot that I wouldn't do myself. I think it's really incredible. I was explaining, I was on a date last night and I was like, I'm so excited I'm recording this podcast today. And I was explaining your business and <laughs> they were like, oh, so like women just get like photos taken of themselves for themselves. And I was like, yeah. And then like, well, what do they do with the pictures? I was like, I don't know if I got one, it'd be like up yeah. in my bedroom and it would be like the thing that I look at every day. I was like, damn, you, you're, yeah. you're pretty sexy. Like... <laughs> The amount of people who send me their prints above their bed or in their bathroom or, um, you know, uh, like above their TV, that sort of stuff, in their bedrooms, I love it because 
like you're the greatest artwork in your life. And as soon as you start to appreciate yourself in that way, it's amazing the doors that it will open. Like the, the messages I get from people that I might've done a photo shoot with them two years ago. And they're like, Hey, I don't know if you know this, but you did a 15 minute photo shoot with me two years ago. And since then I quit my job. I've created this business. I've flown all over the world. And just that little bit of confidence that you gave me, gave me confidence in my whole world. So it's like people don't realize how much insecurity in your body can actually hold you back from a lot of things in life. And it's very like, um, you know, it's nothing to do with sex and, and people always want to assume that everything to do with your body is always about your sexual identity. And it's, it's really not, it's, it's like I said before about like owning who you are and um, saying nobody else gets to define me, like super powerful And like stuff. imagine getting up every morning and seeing you owning your power like up on the wall. Like that is just, yeah. book me in. I want to come. I want to come right now. <laughs> exactly. And it's so, it's, it's so much fun. And people are, they're obviously often very nervous to have a nude photo shoot. But what ends up happening is they feel, they find that freedom I think that's like hidden inside them like I said about kids you know they just love to be nude and then that it's like oh I don't only have to be naked to bathe and have sex like I'm allowed to just be naked and I never used to like walk around my house naked and stuff like I have been so naked in this Airbnb anybody could have seen because these windows are huge and I'm like it's, it's my body just existing it's not inherently an invitation for anything other than I am here taking up space and just allowing yourself to have space in this world. It's really just such a beautiful thing. And like, oh, it, it really, it really helps quite a bit, especially with and, anxiety. And just even like the little steps, like I don't wear pants very often in the house anymore. And like, that is, like I was sitting in in my dining room window, which literally looks out onto an intersection, just wearing a hoodie and my undies today, reading a book. And I was like, this feels fucking incredible. Like I just feel comfortable yeah. in who I am and who cares if like the 20 cars that drove past saw my butt. Like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yay for them. Like you know, and, and the thing is, it's like other people don't notice as much as we think no. that they do. So this, okay, <laughs> this is an overshare, but um, uh, so I went on a date last night and I've been seeing this guy a little bit and then we were being intimate and I was on top and I had this moment where I just wanted to cry. I was like, the way he's looking at me, like I, he can see everything and I freaked the fuck out. I like yeah. we stopped and I was like, I'm so sorry, like I just can't. And he's like, Okay, like you're okay. And I was like, I just got in my head and I'm feeling really self-conscious. And he's like, You don't need to be self-conscious. He's like, I was having a great time, like there's nothing to be self like you're amazing. Like I wasn't thinking any of these things that you think that like I might have been perceiving. He's like, I saw boobs and like that was all that was mattered. <laughs> <laughs> is like the 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 moment that you feel insecure is like the best part of his fucking day like making his week his month his year like that's the thing is like because as 
women it's like you're supposed to look beautiful and like you know desirable at all times i i personally like to be on top i like to you know bring somebody quite close <laughs> to their death but yeah i know what you mean it's like like from that angle of like <laughs> They're not seeing it that way, you know. They're just—it's a whole—it's like a sensory aspect, and like sometimes we forget that. But I totally understand what you mean, where it's like, oh, I don't want to be seen. I don't want to be perceived right now, and um, just that extreme vulnerability of sharing yourself mm. with another person. Yeah, it can can be really it's confronting at times. Like, you know, I, like I feel like I'm on this journey of confidence, and then there's like one little like brain like fart and then it's like oh I'm out I'm out I'm out (laughs) yeah I have a friend who I would consider her like very sexually empowered like she she's a bit of a Samantha from Sex in the City but sharing a toilet with the person she's dating she would rather die like Mm -hmm. it's we all have like a thing um, she had to quarantine for COVID with her partner and was and I was like, how many days since you pooped? And she's like, four, four. And I'm like, are you okay? Just and she's like, no, but there's the smell. And I'm like, oh, that you have a human body. Like, I remember. <laughs> Leave it in so back when I was like running and stuff in the mornings, I would get up at five and I was dating someone obviously completely different because it was years ago and it was five o'clock in the morning and I used to go to the bathroom before I'd go for a run and my toilet is next, like shares a wall with my bedroom. I made him get up and leave my house because I didn't want him to like hear me like do a poo in the morning. So like, was like, no, nope, you've got to go. You've got to go. He's like, it's fine. Like, I don't care. Like he was a nurse. He's like, I don't care. And I was like, I do. Like yeah. you have to get the fuck out. You have to leave right now. And he's like, and it's just these yeah. stupid things. Like it doesn't matter, but like we build them up in our heads. Yeah. And I know like um, a lot of women, it's like, you know, they're worried about how they smell and taste and look and yeah there's a lot of pressure for us to have like these perfect not human bodies that don't function in any right. way other than a sex when object. was the last time a guy and, cared like, about like how clean is yeah like it, it was <laughs> uh, I, like hopefully they do but oh wash between the cheeks did you see that on tiktok no. how some guys were hey i'm like uh, um, Drew did like some videos on it so fucking funny and she got a podcast episode where she talks about it as well that some guys were like nah it's gay to, gay to wash between the cheeks I'm not putting my oh. hand in there and it's like imagine imagine being like so strangled oh. <laughs> that's terrible and like I'm quite lucky um, my kid's dad my ex he um, he never felt insecure in his masculinity. So, you know, our son wears dresses and he dances and that sort of stuff. And, and he's like, he's all for it. So, but I do feel quite bad for people. It's like, you know, they can't even buy their son a baby doll because their husband's like, no, you, he'll be gay. And it's like, 
or he could learn to be a loving dad. Maybe you yeah. should learn <laughs> how to do that adulted. as well. Like, yeah, and like my son, he's only seven and a half, but a lot of queer people knew that they were queer from a really young age, and it's very obvious with my son. Like, I I love that he's so loudly and proudly himself, and like, um, you know, he'll come home and he'll be like, oh you know, boys can marry boys, can't they? And I'm like, yeah, you can marry a boy, you can marry a girl, you can marry nobody and be by yourself. Like, all of it's fine. And he's like, can I marry you? And I'm like, well, no, but you're my son, so we are all we already have a special bond that's forever. And then he'll be like, oh, I like Jeremy. And I'm like, oh, what do you like about Jeremy? And he's like, his hair and he's funny. And like, it's so cute. And I just love because like, like raising an autistic child, he doesn't understand gender. So people were always like, are you a boy or a girl? And he would be like, I'm my name. And and he just didn't know what people were asking. And then he was like, how, he would ask me, how do you know if somebody's a boy? And I'd be like, well, at first I was like, well, um, boys usually, not all the time, but they usually have a penis. But, you know, and then he'd be like, well, so I have to check if my friends have a penis. And I'm like, don't, don't do that. That's not, it's not what we want to do. We don't want to be ducking our friends at uni to see if they've got a penis as well. And then it, it really made me think about it. I was like, how does he know the gender of his friends? And it was like, uh, so I just said to him, you just ask. If you don't know what somebody's gender is, because people are confused by his gender. He's got long hair. And so people will be like, well, that's clearly a girl. And he's like, I have a penis. <laughs> that's so cute. <laughs> brutally honest and he's like and my sister she has a vagina that's a hole <laughs> and, <laughs> and I love that because it, he would prefer to go to the girls toilets because um and we and the school would ask him and I would ask him you know why do you want to go in the girls toilets and he's like the girls are nice to me that when I go in the boys toilets they're like you have long hair so you can't go in here and I'm like well, you know that your long hair doesn't make your penis disappear. So how can how can that, you know, if you feel like a girl in your heart, you go, you say to people, I'm a girl. And like, yeah, it's, it's very interesting when you're like, if I can't define this anatomically, because he can't see his friend's penises at Kimby. I'm like, just ask them. Just be like, hey, I'm a boy. Are you a boy or are you a girl? Or what do you like to be? Most of the time, my son will answer a dragon. You know, when people are like, are you a boy or a girl? He's like, I'm a dragon. I love it. And he's actually really wonderful. They're like, I have to have meetings all the time because he is diagnosed with disabilities. And they'll be like, so is he still using he, him pronouns? And I'm like, well, he'll tell you if he wants to change them. <laughs> and um, and the, he wanted to wear a dress to school, like a school the school uniform dress. And... Um, I was like, I don't want to buy one because um, it's actually quite an uncomfortable cut. So it wasn't like I didn't want him to wear a dress because he wears dresses at home all the time. It was just like a crap dress. (laughs) So 
um, I was like to him, are you sure you want one? And then when he actually put one on, he was like, oh, this sucks because the arms were really restricted. And, um, and they were like, well, you know, he wouldn't be the first boy that wanted to wear a dress to school and he, he won't be the last. So that, like, it's no problem. And I just love that that's their attitude towards it. And, um, there is a lot of overlap between like autistic and neurodivergent people and the LGBTIAQ plus community. Oh, that was a mouthful. <laughs> Um, and I think it's because gender is so fucking weird when you're trying to explain it to somebody. Autistic people can be very literal and they're mm. like, well, short hair equals boy. That makes no sense because you're, yeah, it just, it just doesn't. And like, I, I also having like sensory issues around clothing. So my son often doesn't wear boys clothing because they're often really rough fabrics that are not stretchy. They have scratchy tags, scratchy buttons. So we're always looking in the girl section because he wants bright colors. He wants soft fabrics. Like, so I'm uh, like, I'm always buying him, you know, girls leggings and stuff because the boy stuff, it's always dull, dark, boring. And I'm like that really it should just be kids clothes like why is it gendered and there's it always a price be, difference as this well is all the clothes for the kids like you know girl shorts versus boy shorts like they're the same and they're, they're different <laughs> yes and the sizes are different so he might wear an um a 10 in girls clothes but an eight in boys and they're supposed to be the same size and they're completely different the girls clothes are much smaller and i'm like this it should just be children's clothing mm -hmm. and like it it's so interesting for me because i have like my son he loves to wear dresses and twirl and dance and everything and then my little girl who actually looks like goldilocks like she has long golden ringlets and big blue eyes and she is a t-shirt and shorts person she doesn't like to wear dresses and um she did wear dresses when she was a toddler but she was frustrated she couldn't get to her vagina <laughs> it was like there's way too much material in the way <laughs> whereas like my son's like just lifting up a pee it's so easy <laughs> So people are like, why don't you put her in a dress? She's so beautiful. And I'm like, because she picks her clothes. Like, she says no. And it's funny when when we go shopping, she'll see like a bluey dress and bluey's her favorite thing. And she'll say, that would look good on, on my brother. She'll be like, let's get it for for him. And yeah, it, it's, it's, I love that my kids are like this and that I don't have to worry about like any men in their lives trying to stunt that because yeah, he's just like whatever they want, whatever's comfortable, you know? So I'm really grateful that like, you know, the person that I'm co-parenting with has the same like views on that because he was a little boy who wore lots of pink and, you know, had beautiful blonde hair and stuff. And now he's like a man with a beard and like his ripped jeans and stuff. And he knows that it doesn't define your sexuality and gender. So I, I love that little differences and like when there's a free dress day at school, my son is there with like his two piggy tails and he's got like his bright, like brightly colored clothes on and he's like dancing and stuff. And it's like, then all the other boys can see that is how a boy can live and be happy. And, you know, it, it's really awesome because at their age, 
it really surprised me how many six and seven year olds would be like to their mum or dad, like, don't come, don't drop me off at class. It's embarrassing. Or don't kiss me. And, and like, whereas like my, my kids are the opposite. I swear they would add tongue in if I let them because they're like out with me before they go into the classroom. That's so funny. But also so beautiful that you have such an amazing relationship and you're like nurturing that. It's just incredible. And they're so funny too. And like, that's the thing about like raising autistic kids. It's like, it's not that it doesn't come with its challenges, but it makes me question all the things that I've been told too. You know, what is feminine? What is masculine? And instead just let them be their fucking selves and not have to worry about like, Oh, is he going to be gay? Like all I hope for is that he's happy and healthy and has, you know, a great sense of self-worth and yeah, like my goals are like, I don't have any goals for like what kind of jobs they have or they'll move out at this age and stuff. Like I pretty much accepted that the way that the economy is going, my kids will probably live with me well into their adults and that's totally fine. Like that's the future that I'm prepared for instead of going, Oh, you're out. You're 18. Like, oh, like I moved out at 15 and I know how hard that was not having that like long-term parental support and how it puts you on like the back foot in life, trying to get ahead on your like buying a house checklist and all of that other stuff. So for me, I'm like, if they want to stay home with me well into their adult years, that's great. That's the that must have been challenging, like, leaving home at 15. Like, you still yeah. have so much to, like, yeah. do and learn. And well, I grew up in, like, quite a, like a violent, domestic violence house um, with, a, like, a really abusive dad. And he did, like, even though I left the home, he still financially and emotionally abused me and my partner, who became my husband, into our 20s. And... Um, that's, and now I'm like no contact with him, but even it's like the impact of that is really long, long lived. So I moved in with my boyfriend at 15 who then became my husband and we separated about six months ago. And it was really, really challenging because it's like all we've ever known is each other, you know? So, um, mm. but I could see that we wanted completely different things in life. Like if it was up to him, we would live in the middle of nowhere with no running water, no electricity, completely living <laughs> on the land. And I was like, I need a steady supply of naked women to photograph. <laughs> and he's, Where are you, they coming from? <laughs> you have to do it for money. And I'm like, no, but I, I need, I personally need that. <laughs> because if I don't do this work, then I, I'm not living my, you know, full potential and stuff in. And, um, yeah, the last year for me has been like a big one of like making huge changes in my life. Like I left the place that I was working and, um, then six months later I decided to leave my long-term marriage and it was like two massive, like ending of relationships. And, um, it's just really like amazing to see like the change in me and also the change in him, you know, because it's like suddenly you're not making decisions for us. You're, you're just going, what do I want? What do I want completely separate to them? And um, it's 
like I don't regret anything but um it's just like really I guess I wish there was another word other than empowering but it's like a good like self-discovery thing um because I did Amy Triscari's like a fucking life and um Yeah, at her workshop, she asked this big group and she's like, if you had seven days left and you had an unlimited amount of money and you could go anywhere and COVID wasn't a thing, what would you be doing? And my vision was so clear. I was like, I would immediately go and see the Northern Lights. That's one of the goals in my life. I want to have like a snowy Christmas and like I would I would be straight to a cold climate. And I <laughs> hire a private jet and I would take all of my friends and she's like would you still do photo shoots and I was like absolutely yes like there's no doubt about it I would still do photo shoots um I would try and cram in like my wildest photo shoot dreams in that last week of my life you know what I mean and she's like well you know you're in the right line of work but why the fuck are you living in Perth if you want to be in snow and not (laughs) and then I went home and I said to my then husband I was like you know, this is what she asked us. And he sat there and he was like making making himself a cup of tea and he's like stirring it and he goes, I wouldn't change anything. I wouldn't go anywhere. I wouldn't see anything. I would just not go to work. And I was like, <laughs> and it really hit me um, how differently the direction of our lives were going. And it's not to say that his decision is wrong. He said, yeah, he's quite like content and doesn't want for things. And I feel a lot of like drive and like I want to see and do and travel and he doesn't want to do that. And then I, I was like, wow, it was like a real confirmation of something that I had been feeling for a long time. Yeah. It's because like, I am just about to finish up with Amy. We've, I've been doing the six-month fuck yes course as well. And it's super interesting how when like a little, like a switch just flicks in your mind. Because I started in February with her. At the time, my ex, who we'd broken up six months ago, was still sleeping on my couch. Yeah. I was working a job that was, I was earning a fuck ton of money, but I hated it. I was trying to get my business off the ground and I was just still pretty miserable in life and like just little things have like changed along the way like I quit my job and I went back to the job that I had previously like I lost like 30 grand but I have less hours and I'm confident in the work and I can like I'm so good at setting boundaries with them like the amount of times I'm like fuck off I don't want to do that is so good (laughs) and like my manager's leaving she's given 12 months notice for retirement she's like yep I'm gonna mentor you so you can take over her my job and I'm like (laughs) no I don't want to manage stuff I don't want to do the extra hours I don't want to do a diploma I'm happy and like it's just been so like empowering like you said it's not like it's not enough of a word but it's just the boundaries (laughs) yeah and like I'm still really struggling with like getting boundaries in my personal life especially with my mum but like I'm like I'm getting there with work and like I feel like one day I'm going to be able to be like no mum I don't want to see you today like (laughs) yes yeah yeah I mean like I it's not that I don't get along with my mum she's on the other side of Australia and whenever I see her I'm like oh she's exactly the same like why did I come visit and it's not like a bad thing I'm just kind of like 
oh yeah, that's what she's like. I remember now. And like, I'm like, spend time with my kids, not with me. Like, yeah, there you go. I know what you're like. They don't know you. <laughs> See, like, I like, I love, like, obviously, I love my mum, and my mum is lovely, but she lives three minutes down the road from me. And yeah. to her, I am her best friend. I'm her daughter. I'm her therapist. I'm her, like, everything. And yes. I just don't want to be. Like, I just want to be, yeah. like, the daughter that checks in every now and again and is like, Mum, I'm in my 30s. Like, yeah. I'm not meant to see you every like, week. Yeah. Um, emotional incest. Yeah. That's, like, the really young term for it. Yeah. And I totally get that. Like, I was the golden child of my dad. And he was, like, a very abusive person. But I was, like, his golden child. And it's really hard to separate your identity from somebody when they're saying like you are a part of me and um yeah that's something like that I've grappled with for a long time because uh, I look like my dad and um I was the only kid that did look like him and um so that was really like hard when I'm like I look like somebody who's abusive like and I always forget the definition of like a psychopath and a sociopath but he's definitely one of them he sees people as like these chess pieces that he can move and go this is how you're going to benefit me and this is what I'm going to do to you and and realizing that and getting away from it even as an adult was really really difficult and being like that person raised me so am I going to be abusive to my kids because I was abused is a real mind fuck but I, I totally get what you mean when it's like um, when it's like you can't be absolutely everything to another person. It'd be the same in a marriage or a relationship. It's like you can't be their therapist and their best friend and their manager and plan every little detail of their life and, like, have basically a child that you also have to have sex with. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, exactly. That's like, that's a boner killer that is. <laughs> So I recently cut off 20 centimetres of my hair. So, like, it's, a, like, a significant chop. And I was so excited and I was like, I'm seeing my mum. I'm not going to tell her I've had a haircut. She'll just notice. She didn't notice. And I've seen her five more times since I got my haircut and not once has she noticed. And, like, even in a ponytail, like, it's noticeably shorter. And I called my sister and I was like, your mother. And she's like, your mother too. <laughs> I was like... She can never complain again that her husband doesn't notice her haircut. Because my mum's got, like, shorter hair than yours. And so, like, she'll every now and again she'll get, like, two centimetres cut off kind of thing. And she'll be like, Mark didn't notice my hair. And it's like, <clears throat> he's a guy. But also it's minimal. And then I was like, maybe it's one of those things where she's like, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. And so now I've got this, like, chip on my shoulder that my mum has noticed my hair but thinks it looks terrible. And it's, like, this whole, like, mindfuck of just, like, let it go. Like, it does not matter that your mum has not noticed your haircut. Like, it doesn't matter. But it's that kind of, like, you know, if I had done the same to her, it would be an issue. It's almost like a test. It's like, well, if if I have to know everything about you, you and your life and everything but you can't even notice... 20 centimetres of my hair not there. It just shows that this is like a one-sided relationship. Like I'm just a vessel for you to project your life into. And I totally get that. And like sometimes because it's like I live on the other side of Australia to my mum. When she sees me, she's like, 
oh, there's more tattoos than last time. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I got those ages ago. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely that one-sided relationship kind of thing where, like, like even today I she, I missed a call from her and I was like, ugh. So I called her back and I literally just, like, sat the phone next to my ear because, like, it. she didn't want to know how I was going. She just wanted someone to vent to. So I, like, lied on the floor, yeah. patted the dog while mum just, like, chatted away to no one. Yeah, exactly. It was, you're just a person that's convenient. And that sucks because you have your own identity and your own things that you want to talk about. And Yeah, and I think for me, like, uh, yeah, accepting that your parents are can be very flawed people is is a very work in progress. Like for me, I used to feel like this might surprise you, but I'm the quiet one in my family. Wow. <laughs> I could not imagine Christmas. Everybody's always shocked by that, but I was a really quiet, withdrawn child. Um, and I because I had an older sister and a younger brother. And they both were ADD kids. And so they were like loud, intense. My mom is very loud. And then, you know, my dad yelling over the top of all of it. And I was just a really quiet, withdrawn child. And it took a long time for me to really like unshell myself. So other people see me as an extrovert. In my mind, I'm very introverted. Um, so I think I'm like a mix of the two. <laughs> But it would feel like I was just so, like, overshadowed and overpowered by my full-on family. And um, and it's interesting because, like, they still see me as that that quieter person. And maybe I am, but it's like they've kind of mellowed out as they've got older and I'm just getting, like, louder and louder. <laughs> but that's also great. Like, it just means that you're finally, like, stepping into you. Yeah, exactly. And like being able to, I like, I did like all these drama classes and stuff as a kid, just trying to like, cause she was like, you're really quiet. Like, and I just wanted to read books and hide from everyone. Like that's, I would literally like sit in like a cupboard reading books to get away from my family. And, um, knowing what I know now, like, um, the, because my kids have been diagnosed with autism and I'm around clinical psychologists a lot, they would ask me questions like, you know, are your kids quite repetitive? Do they listen to the same movies over and over or read the same books? And I'm like, you, you mean everybody doesn't do that? <laughs> Is this not? And they'd be like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, so, so not everybody has um, listened to Beauty and the Beast for 10 years, <laughs> at least, you know, recently. And they were like, um, here's, here's some information on adults with <laughs> autism. And it's like, it was so obvious. Like I remember as a kid, each Harry Potter book, I think I read them like 45 times a year. Oh my like, gosh. I, I remember like ticking it off. Like, it was, yeah. Cause it was like a coping mechanism for me. I'm very, very repetitive. And, um, and so, yeah, then they'd ask me questions about my kids and I'd be like, that just sounds normal to me. And they'd be like, yeah, it's not. You're changing my world. Yeah. And then they were like, you know, were you like this as a kid? And I think because my brother and sister struggling with ADD, ADHD and dyslexia, they, they were having a lot of trouble at school. Whereas I was quite studious, Mm -hmm. like school was my escape. Books were my escape. And so I wasn't um, the 
problem. Mm -hmm. And so knowing what I know now, it's like I very obviously am autistic. And like anybody who watches this, you'll notice it from my eye movement because um, I would be on Zoom calls like this with the clinicians and they'd be like, yeah, your eye movement is really interesting because you rarely like make eye contact. And then when I remember to make eye contact, I'll stare at people and then they get uncomfortable. It's like, don't look, don't look. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that was really fascinating for me how they like, they could identify it from things like that. And also like, you know, all of the coping mechanisms that I had come up with my whole life. And, um, and yeah, so it's like, I know now why things were like that, but I always felt like as a kid, I was like, my mum ignored me. She didn't. She just had two kids that were extremely struggling with a schooling system not designed for them. Um, and then I was quiet. So she was like, well, that was fine. I'm going to go with these two. And like, you know, as a kid, you're like, oh, my mum doesn't care about me. Or like as a teenager and stuff, I was all like, I was a, I was an early goth emo teenager like, I can see that yeah I really really was and like it's not a phase I'm still like that but you know it was just a way for me to express how like you know my my heart was a black abyss and um, <laughs> I'm cold and um you know it's one of the things that people compliment me about all the time they're like I love your laugh and like you must get that all the time but nobody ever said that to me until I was an adult I never like because I was so quiet and um yeah I, so, but I always had like I'm very visual person so to me like my body is my expression so yeah it's it's fun when people are like I never know what hair color you're gonna have when I see you and stuff like that and you know to me it's just like I'm just going through the rainbow now <laughs> like it's just how I yeah but I was like such a like goth um like 13 14 years old like with old like and side I, fringe and yeah and when i was 15 i would shave off my eyebrows and i would draw them on with eyeliner up really high and i had a pointy fringe and my hair was about this this length and black so i want to see um, pictures you know, so bad are pictures of me on the interwebs looking like that. I think my MySpace is actually still up. And it's like, um, it's like, welcome to the Krakenhaus, which uh, I can't say it. It's like the German word for hospital. And I was like obsessed with gory stuff. And I still am. Like the, all those parts are like inside of me. But um, I just know now that like um, it's a balance. Yeah. Like you don't... You don't have to completely define yourself by fucking anything. So, um, whereas when you're younger, you're like, I have to be this type of person. And I can only this like this aesthetic. one thing and this one thing only. <laughs> Mine was Hilary Duff. I'm, and I still fucking yeah. love Hilary Duff. But, like, I was obsessed. My bedroom was covered in, like, even, like, teeny tiny little pictures of Hilary Duff. And, like, one of my best friends, like, yeah. him and I are still best friends. And, the like, we bonded over Lizzie McGuire. And then we went to, a like, a Hilary Duff concert when we were in, like, year 10. And, like, still, like we were still messaging stuff about Hilary Duff and be like, oh, my God, are you watching How I Met Your Father? Like, if Hilary Duff wasn't in it, we wouldn't watch it. But, like, it's so funny how you just, like, hyperfixate on something. <laughs> I did that with Sailor Moon. Oh, yep. I participated on Sailor Moon and I still now love it. Um, I remember like having like 
so many little like gifts of Sailor Moon that I had sh- like saved to the computer. And back then, you know, computers had no space. My parents were like, what the fuck is all this shit? On the- I need them for and, MSN. Uh, Gosh. Actually, like next month, I'm getting a Sailor Moon tattoo. I'm getting Queen Serenity. Oh like I love that. And I love her hair. Um, but yeah, I would get up early in the morning to watch Sailor Moon and Yu-Gi-Oh! And yeah. And it's so fun now. And like Pokemon. It's so fun now that Pokemon is still like a thing. So my kids like it now. Because Pokemon is the ultimate fixation. Because there's so much data to absorb. <laughs> and um, I have a, a younger brother who, he's now 15. But he became obsessed with Pokemon to the to the point of like encyclopedic knowledge. And so um, autistic people can do this thing. Um, sometimes it's called like monologuing or scripting where it's almost like they're reading a textbook from the inside of their brain and they don't care that you're not interested in hearing it. They do not <laughs> care. You're a person. They're saying it. And because they can't pick up that you don't want to know. They're like, this is valuable knowledge. And... <laughs> And so he would tell me all of these Pokemon facts and I would just sit there and listen because it was important to him and he was sharing all of this knowledge with somebody and I have so much fucking useless info inside of my brain because I would used to sit and read Wikipedia pages about like who created Sailor Moon, who the artists were and like, but that was, it's like that with everything. Like there's a particular time in history that I know a lot about. Like I really love the Tudor era and there's a lot of people who know a lot about the Tudor era as well. So it's like this whole online community of people are just fucking obsessed with 500 years. Right? And like Queen Elizabeth I, I have like an unholy amount of knowledge about time history. And like listen to like the YouTube videos like every day about like people who lived hundreds of years ago. And I'm like, yeah. But they were like this way connected to the crown. And like I know the lineage to like Queen Elizabeth now. And like so much fucking unnecessary knowledge <laughs> that's brilliant are you then like like any kind of like tv show that like comes out about that era it's like that's a one yeah because like one of the ultimate like fixations people like history is like i love history and that inspires a lot of the ideas for my photo shoots because i love history and because um our like, I'll see, like, an item of clothing and I'll be like, that's referencing the 1700s. And, like, that's that sort of shit just, like, gives me the ultimate, like, the pants I'm wearing right now. They, like, look like a painting. Oh, my gosh. That's why I like the brand Black Milk because I do a lot of, like, um, on clothes. I love Black Milk. Pants. <laughs> There's, like, a... So good. Shayla, thank you so much for being a part of this today. Where can people find you and your incredibleness on the internet? You can find me at Shayla.photographer on Instagram. On TikTok, I'm Shayla the photographer. And on um what's the other one? Facebook. <laughs> um, Shayla Taylor Photographer. That's where you can see me do all the things. I'm always on my stories. <laughs> Me too. I love a good rant. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much. It's been amazing. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, I'm, I, this was so much fun. So much fun.
um, before you go, guys, I just wanted to let you know that I am releasing a Kickstarter in September for Confetti Curves, which is the bra and underwear company I'm launching for big boobies and round booties. It's all about fun and color and having your big boobs supported in a wire-free way and having some matching undies that you actually want to wear every single day so so make sure that you're like you know as soon as we launch the kickstarter and you can be one of the first to pre-order follow us on confetti curves and also join our mailing list at competitivecurves.com.au and you'll get um, added to our email list so that you know all of the things that are going on with confetti curves it's going to be so fucking incredible and you're going to want to be a part of the first launch so i hope that you want to get involved and i'll see you on socials or on the newsletter if you just had as much fun as we did, come follow us on Instagram at Confetti Curves, leave a five-star review and subscribe so you never miss an episode.